0: One of the most frustrating things about my personality, I'm just going to be transparent with you for a moment, is my short attention span. Now I don't mean that in a way that I can't sit down and do something for a long period of time. I mean over time. One of my biggest difficulties in teaching is series are very difficult for me simply because in the midst of teaching a series of messages, there are always other things that pop up. that. I feel I need to say, I feel I need to teach. So today we're going to take a little sidestep. We're going to step out of our Names of God series, and we're going to talk about something a little bit different. I know I say this at every episode, but today I really want you to grab a notepad and a pen, and I really want you to have your Bible, because I want you to look at some things with me. Let's walk side by side through some very important passages of Scripture that we don't see every day or even think about this way every day. I think what we're about to learn is so timely that it's going to change the way you view the world around you and the way you view God in this time. So grab your Bible, turn to Psalm chapter 137, and let's dig into the Word of God. I'm Michael Land, and this, this is Landline. (laughs) Book of Psalms, chapter 137, nine verses. Today I'm reading out of the New King James Version, beginning at verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song, and those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it. To its very foundation, O daughter of Babylon, who are to be destroyed. Happy the one who repays you as you have served us. Happy the one who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. Father, today I'm going to be preaching out of this passage of Scripture that you've anointed, that you've breathed out, that you've inspired and that has lasted thousands of years because of its truth. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Today I pray that you will open our ears and our hearts to receive that thing that you want us to grasp out of this passage of Scripture. God, we've got some dynamic things to say today that we believe that you have inspired us to say, and I pray, God, that you will touch lives, that you will open eyes, and that you will change our direction today. Encourage, strengthen, embolden. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. There was a song many years ago by a group called Petra, That starts off, and I wanted so badly to use it today, just as an intro, because it just would fit so perfectly. It says, we are pilgrims in a strange land. We are so far from our homeland. Of course, I couldn't use it because of copyright issues, and I don't want to violate people's copyrights. So, therefore, you're just going to have to listen to me quote it. But I want to talk to you today about singing the Lord's song in a strange land. I live in the buckle of the Bible Belt. I live in a place where you would expect everything to be just super easy for Christianity. Just a few miles down the road is the general headquarters of one of the largest worldwide organizations in Christianity. Not too far from that, there are... I believe, something like seven Bible colleges within a half-hour, 45-minute drive from where I live. I'm in the buckle of the Bible belt. And yet, no matter where I turn, there is conflict simply because there are people who are triggered because of Christianity. Ladies and gentlemen, in case you're not aware, we are not citizens here. We are pilgrims. We are just passing through. We recently be- we recently came through a uh, very tumultuous political time and we're still in it in certain ways but we recently came through a very tumultuous political period in our country and I was very unpopular with a lot of people who claim to be Christians because I said my true citizenship is not here. Oh, I'm an American. I was born and raised here. I'm happy to be here. I'm thankful for the blessings of liberty that our, our, our nation protects. However, my allegiance and my citizenship are in the kingdom of God where the leadership never changes where the laws never change, where the decrees never change. You see, my citizenship is in a realm. The Bible says the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever, Isaiah 40 verse eight. I love that scripture because it tells me that no matter what is going on around me, no matter what leaders come and what leaders go, no matter what laws are raised and what laws are brought down, no matter what executive orders are written or what executive orders are overturned, the word of my God shall stand forever. It's a very freeing, liberating Understanding to have that my kingdom, the kingdom to which I belong, is not of this world. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And I am a resident, a citizen of the kingdom of God. So I don't get any longer all worked up about the temporary politics and whims of my society. I expect my society to deteriorate. That may sound like a defeatist position, but it's not. It's a realistic understanding of the conflict between Christianity, between God, and the enemies of God. Simple logic tells you that Those who are sinners will sin, and those who are redeemed will act accordingly. Therefore, the divide between the world and the godly will widen over time. This is nothing new. Scripture has foretold this for thousands of years. And yet we act surprised every time something goes wrong. Every time a leader makes a decision that is against the word of God. Every time someone in our society commits a sin, we act shocked at it. And yet, this has been happening since the dawn of time. Since Cain killed Abel. Since Adam and Eve betrayed God in the garden. Mankind has deteriorated over time. So why are we surprised when our society turns its back on God? Every society thus far has. This is why when Jesus walked the earth in human form, he did not get worked up in the politics of the era. He did not get worked up in the governmental issues. He didn't come to address those. He came to address the heart. So while that may sound like a defeatist approach, that I expect the world to do wrong, I expect sinners to sin, I don't give up. I continue to try to reach out and minister to people and try to show them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and change what really matters. See, we can try to legislate all we want to, but we're like a band-aid treating a cancer. It's not going to do any good. What we need to do is focus on the soul. Focus on bringing people into the kingdom of God. Focus on sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. More about that later. We're in a strange land. We are foreigners here. We are pilgrims passing through. We are strangers in a hostile society that wants to destroy the very things we stand for, the very things that we believe. They like us as long as we're entertaining them. And yet they attack us when we take a stand for what we believe. Now let's look at... What was going on in Psalm 137? Let me go back to the beginning of that. By the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, yea, we wept, when we remembered Zion, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song, and those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How? Shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? This passage takes place at probably the lowest point in Israel's history up to that point. They'd been taken into captivity. They had been taken from their homes. They had been removed forcibly. The great temple that David had longed to see completed but Solomon had built was raised to the ground, destroyed, burnt, crumbled under their feet, trampled on and, and violated. Even Ezekiel talks about how the glory cloud had moved on from Jerusalem. And the Israelites are rounded up and marched forcibly through the hot barren desert to Babylon. Talk about a low point. Talk about devastation, talk about anxiety, talk about stress and disappointment, it almost seems like God had turned his back on his people. And the enemies of God taunted the Israelites and said, sing now, why don't you entertain us with a song of your people, why don't you entertain us with one of your God's songs? We live in a society that loves to be entertained by Christians, but never challenged by them. Oh, don't be fooled by the fact that they love our music. They love our light shows. They love all of the things we can do for them. They love when we do charitable acts. As long as we don't preach Jesus and him crucified. We live in a hostile society. We're strangers here. But they say, oh, sing us the song of your people. Sing us the song of Zion. How shall we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? Earlier I mentioned getting your notepad out, and I want you to grab that right now in a pen and paper. And I want you to th- write something down couple of quick points. First of all, I want you to write down if you're going to sing the Lord's song, you have to first receive the Lord's song into your spirit. It is an impossibility to give something you don't have. It's an impossibility to share something that you don't have to share. This means that in order to sing the songs of Zion, you must accept the songs of Zion. You must absorb them. Psalm chapter 40, verse 2 and 3 says, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. I am so glad that a day came that Jesus chose me, that he turned me around, that he poured his song of praise into me. And now I can share it, now I can sing it even in a foreign land, even in difficult times, I can sing the songs of my God. It's a song of gratitude. It's a song of thanksgiving. You know what he did? He took my feet out of that miry clay, out of the sin, out of the muck, out of the mire, out of the destruction around me. And he set me on a firm foundation and he poured that song of praise into my mouth that I could share it, that I could sing it. It's an eternal song. It's a song that will never fade. It's a song that will never go away. It's a song that is there no matter how difficult times get, no matter what goes on around me, no matter how sinful my society gets, no matter who turns against me, the song of praise will be in my mouth. Thank you, God, for the song of praise. It doesn't matter. The song that we're singing, it doesn't matter if you have a beautiful voice or a horrible voice. If you're like that person that you ask him, hey, do you sing? And they say, on a hill far away. Some people, you wish they would sing on a hill far away, but I'm telling you right now, I want you to sing the songs of Zion. I want you to sing the song of your creator. I want you to sing the songs of your Lord, the song of praise, the song of thanksgiving, because he's changed your life. Has he changed your life? Have you received the song of praise? Have you turned your life to God? Or are you so focused on what's going around you? Are you so focused on your society? Are you so focused on the conflicts around you? on the, In the miry clay, you're just sucked into that quicksand. He can bring you out. He can bring you out of that mire, the muck. There are so many people who believe that they are Christians. They believe that they're followers of Christ, and yet they're standing in the muck and the mire. Do you see a problem with this? He expects us to be different. He brought me out of the miry clay, out of the pit. Get out of the pit! Turn from your wicked ways! Repent! This is just a little side note. You can't call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you're walking in sin. The two don't go together. He expects holiness. He expects righteousness. He expects you to be different. He didn't leave you in the miry clay. He pulled you out of it. Walk in his way repentance is turning your back on your old ways and walking in a new direction that's repentance and the bible calls us to live lives of repentance no we're not perfect yes we stumble no we aren't always going to do the right thing yes we are going to make mistakes yes we are going to stumble and sin but god has given us grace and he pulls us out of that and we don't walk in sin anymore. We don't walk in the path of sin. We walk in the path of righteousness. We have to accept the song of the Lord in our spirit before we can share it with others. It's time that the church of Jesus Christ repents, turns from the old ways, and follows hard after God. Our society spirals around us as we sit and we clap our hands and we sing and we have no problem walking in the same direction that they're walking, fighting in the same arguments that they're fighting. God wants us to get out of the pit, out of the miry clay, be different, come out from among them. So in order to sing the songs of Zion in a strange land first, You have to accept the songs of Zion into your heart, into your spirit. Absorb them, consume them, make them a part of your spirit. Now, the second thing I want you to write down if you are to sing the songs of Zion, not only must you Accept the song into your spirit. But you've got to refuse to be bitter. The song of Zion is not a bitter song. It's a song of praise, a song of rejoicing. It's a song of commitment and devotion. You've got to refuse to be bitter. As we look back at the scripture that we started with, Israel had been taken into captivity. This was at the beginning of their captivity. The wounds were fresh. They had watched as the temple had been destroyed. They had watched the presence of God lift from Jerusalem as the temple had been destroyed. They had lost many lives. They had lost their homes. Psalm 137 says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. They were hurting, they were suffering, they were mourning over Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. They couldn't find a reason to sing they couldn't find, they couldn't remember the blessings they could only remember the struggle do you hear what's happening here they're angry they're bitter they're hurting and they've turned their anger and bitterness towards god they don't even know how to sing the songs of praise to their god because they feel like he's turned his back on them they're angry at god they're bitter What's happening is they're blaming God for what they're going through. So the question is, the things that are causing us to struggle with singing the song of God in a strange land, are we angry with God for what we're going through? Or did God cause what we're going through? Or is it a direct result of our sin that we're going through what we're going through it was for the Israelites but they would forgotten that we never want to accept the responsibility for our actions the results of our actions many many times the difficulties that we face are a direct response to the sin in our lives the destruction of Jerusalem was a direct response to the sin of Israel You can become angry with God. You can put the focus of the blame on God because he's supposed to be in control of it all, right? You can put the blame on God for what you're going through or you can look at the cause of it and actually accept the fact that you... Are responsible for where you are in life. You are responsible for the struggles you're going in. Our nation is responsible for for the condition it's in. The church is responsible for the condition we're in. It's not God's fault. And oh the freedom that comes with recognizing that we are at fault for our conditions. We're at a fault. Our sin is the cause, the root of our condition and our situations. And it's not God's fault. And when you recognize that you are a sinner, that's part of the gospel. When you recognize that you have failed, that's part of the gospel. The good news is, He's bigger than your sin, He's bigger than your failures, He's bigger than your circumstances. We mess things up, we destroy things, we cause catastrophe, we cause calamity, we cause disease, we cause these things in our world. And God is bigger than that. So when you recognize that, you can sing the songs of Zion in a strange land. You can worship God and praise God because you recognize His greatness even in your struggles, even in your trials, even in your difficulties. The Israelites found themselves in captivity directly because of their sin, because of their rebelliousness, because of their disobedience. We today find ourselves in circumstances because of our disobedience, because of our sin, because of our rebelliousness, because we elevate ourselves and those that we admire above God. And we find ourselves in the pit, in the miry clay. It's not God's doing. It's ours. In fact, God has sent us a way out. God has sent us deliverance. And we can sing the songs of Zion as we realize that. The Old Testament is stacked up with example after example after example of Israel's failures, of Israel's sin, of Israel's unbelief, of Israel's rebelliousness. And the Apostle Paul tells us that these things were written for our learning, as an example for us. Because let's be real, human nature has not changed. The sinful nature of mankind has not changed in the thousands of years since this happened. You were born with a sinful nature just as Abraham was, just as Moses was, just as Judas Iscariot was, just as Hitler was, you were born with a sin nature. We live in a fallen world. We live in a cursed world and a cursed society. And you can blame God and you can get bitter or you can accept responsibility for your part in it and you can turn from your wicked ways and you can look upon Jesus and you can rejoice in the fact that he's given you a way out. When we put our view in the wrong place, when we take our mind off of the direction that God wants us to go and we focus on the issues and on the problems, we forget some things. This was the lowest point in Israel's history up until the dispersion among the nations. This was the time when Israel had been taken captive and everything had been destroyed. It was a low time. The people were sad, they were depressed, they were mourning. And It's easy to look around us and say, this is a low time, this is a difficult time in this world. What's going to happen next? We don't know. But let me tell you something. Let me give you a little insight here. As the Israelites faced the most difficult time ever up until that point, what they did not know is God was about to raise up a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refused to bow. God was about to raise up a Daniel who would pray to him three times a day and refuse to yield. And it would be Daniel who would, who would reveal to Nebuchadnezzar in the dream what God's plan for the world was. And it would be those three Hebrew boys that refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol that were thrown into the fiery furnace, so hot that it killed those who threw them in. But they didn't burn. The only thing that burnt was the ropes off of their hands and feet. And they were not alone in that fire. It was the likeness of the Son of God who was there with them. And just like then, God is preparing to show himself mightily in this difficult day. And you can sing the songs of God in a strange land. Oh, we are in dark days. We are in a difficult time, my friend. We are in a time where the sins of leaders wax strong we're in a time where our society chastises anyone who stands for the gospel. But like the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, but where sin did abound, their grace did much more abound. Praise the name of the Lord. So you might say it's bad. You might say it's dark. You might say it's difficult now, but God can show himself mighty in a difficult time. It may be a dark time, it may be a difficult time, but we can still sing the songs of God and show this world how great our God is. It doesn't matter who our captors are. It doesn't matter who those are around us who try to control us. It doesn't matter who those are around us and what their intentions are. Our God is still on the throne. The Bible says that the lives of man are short and full of trouble. Well, that's uplifting, isn't it? But it's so true. The life of man is short and full of trouble. And the longer we go in this world, the more we realize that. And it's easy to become discouraged. It's easy to become bitter. It's easy to become depressed and look around us and think how difficult this life is. But that's not what God says to do. God says to get up. God says to sing. God says to lift your voice. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Stop having our pity party. Stop looking at the world. Stop looking at the waves around us like Peter did on the water. Stop, stop, stop. You're going to sink. And start looking to him, the author and the finisher of our faith. You can sing the songs of of Zion in a strange land. You can sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land. For just like Paul said in 2 Corinthians, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. We have a blessed hope, and there is nothing in this world that can take that from us. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are around us. We have this blessed hope. And we can sing the songs of Zion in a strange land. We talked about receiving the song of the Lord. We talked about not being bitter. And now number three, I want you to write this down. Stand up. Stand up. Psalm chapter 137, verse 1. What did they do? There by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Oh, and we wept. We sat down and we wept. You know, it's so easy right now. Look around us. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Things are seem to be improving a little bit, but we're not sure yet. Things have been bad. We've lost loved ones. We've lost friends. Our economy is in a shambles. The world, there's rumors of wars and wars. There's famine. Talking to my friend in Kenya, there's a drought. Ladies and gentlemen, life is hard. And it's so easy to sit down and just wallow in it. It's so easy to sit down and weep. It's so easy to sit down and long for the things that we used to have. It's so simple to sit down and mourn the past. People sit there and they say, well, I didn't think it was going to be this hard serving the Lord. Of course it's going to be hard serving the Lord. Life is hard whether you serve the Lord or not. It's going to be that much harder when you're going against the grain, when you're going against the flow of traffic, when you're on that straight and narrow path and you're not following the flood of people. You're not only facing the difficulties of this age, but you're, you're, you're in constant friction and conflict with the world. Of course it's going to be hard. Listen, I said it before, the life of man born of woman is short and full of trouble. It's so easy to sit down and just quit. We've seen prophets in the Old Testament where they just sat down, felt sorry for themselves. Oh, all I've done, all I've given to God, all I've put out there, and life should be easy. Because we think life is a transactional thing, because that's our Western culture. I give, you give back. I give you something, you give back. I bless you, you bless back. We, we, we embrace these philosophies that say, well, if I do good things out there, good's going to come back on me. Kind of the karma approach. But we know that doesn't come from Scripture. In fact, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. And we sit there and we get tired and we get frustrated and we get, we get sad and we get depressed and we sit there on a rock and we sit there and we say, I'm done. I'm tired. I've given enough. You know what God says in return? Stand up and sing the songs of the Lord. You're sitting there having a pity party. You're crying. You're worrying about stuff. You're looking at the storms around you. Get up! Some of my most precious memories are standing around a piano with family or friends in the difficult times, in the dark times, in the angry times, in the hurtful times, and singing, It is well with my soul, when peace, like a river, attendeth my way, or when sorrows, what like sea billows, roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. Oh, great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning in thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Oh, do you understand what's going on here? It's so easy to look at the storms around us. It's so easy to feel the wind and the rain. It's so easy to hear the thunder and the lightning. It's so easy to see the flood. But it isn't until you realize that your God is bigger than all of these things, greater than all of these things, bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears. My God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. It isn't until you realize that, that you realize you are destined to overcome the storm. I preached in a sermon not too awfully long ago about how when God gives you a destination, he's not going to abandon you en route. When Jesus went into the boat and said, let us cross over to the other side. I've used this example so many times. Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. So they went out on the boat, and the seasoned fishermen and the the disciples were out in these boats. And the winds and the waves began to crash around them, and they were terrified. And they they, they woke him up because he was asleep in the boat. And they said, don't you care that we're going to die? And he said, peace be still. And then he looked at them and said, how is it you have so little faith? In those words were such weight... Haven't I walked with you all of this time? Haven't you seen me feed the 5,000? Haven't you seen me speak the words of life? Haven't you seen me cast out demons? Haven't you seen me heal people before your very eyes? How is it you have so little faith? When you get your eyes on the storms, when you get your eyes on the pandemic, when you get your eyes on your finances, when you get your eyes on your sickness, when you get your eyes on your family matters, when you get your eyes on your government, when you get your eyes on a war, when you get your eyes on the things around you and take your eyes off of the power of God, you are doomed. (laughs) And you want to quit. And you want to sit down. And you want to cry. The time has come to stand up and sing the song of your God. Sing the song of victory. Sing the song of ascent. I will glorify the King of Kings. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. There is power in the blood. You can sing the song of God even in a strange land, surrounded by people who are intent on your destruction and your demise, you can stand and sing boldly the song of praise because your hope does not rest in the people around you. Your hope does not rest in the government you live under. The Your hope does not rest in the military around you. Your hope does not rest in the economy. Your hope does not rest in your physical strength. Your hope rests in God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth. The Israelites wept at the banks of the river. They hung up their harps. They gave up the instruments of their praise. And they wept in mourning for what they once had. I have spent a lot of time looking at the church and the powerlessness of the church in our modern age. And the corruption in the doctrines of our modern age and the heresy that has enveloped and infiltrated our churches in the modern age. And I have wept and I have struggled And I've thought, how can I resist this? How can I speak the truth in the midst of preachers who will shout me down because I stand by the word of God and they stand by the wisdom of men? How can we do this? How can those few of us who embrace the wholeness of the word of God stand against the tide of those who want to fit in with the world? How can we do this? And I've sat on the banks of Babylon and I have wept. But it's time to stand up. It's time to embrace the song of the Lord in my spirit. It's time to receive the song of praise in my spirit. It's time to let go of the disappointment and the bitterness of the past. It's time to let go of the problems around me and stop being bitter. And it's time to stand up and make a noise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Even has my last name in it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Are you with me? How shall we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? You are not a citizen here. You are a foreigner. Out of place. You don't fit. And they ridicule you and they mock you and they try to cast you down and they try to beat you down. But you can stand and boldly sing the songs of the Lord in this foreign land.